with Allah's name, the merciful benefactor, the merciful redeemer. We witness that God is one. We witness that Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is the messenger of Allah. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Ashadu wa la ilaha illallah wahduhu la sharika la. Ashadu anna muhammadan wa abduhu wa rasuluhu. Allah says to us in his Quran, Ya ayyuhal ladhina amanu, kutiba alaykum as-siyamu kama kutiba al ladhina min kablakum la alaykum tatakum. In Surat al-Baqarah in Ayat 183, Allah says to us, O you who believe, fasting is prescribed to you as it was prescribed to those before you, that you may learn self-restraint, that you may gain taqwa. As we approach the month of Ramadan, most of the time people associate Ramadan with fasting. It seems to be synonymous. But if we go back and start reading in Surat al-Baqarah and we start with Ayah 183, by the time we get to 185, we will find that Allah has told us what the epitome of Ramadan is actually about. He says in the uh, Ayah, he says that Ramadan is the month in which was sent down the Quran as guide to mankind and clear signs for guidance and judgment between right and wrong. Ramadan is about the revelation of the Quran. We are supposed to be preparing ourselves for the anniversary of the revelation of the Quran. The feature of Ramadan is to focus on the revelation that God gave to his prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in the month of Ramadan. Now how do we do it? If we complete ayah 185, when we get to the bottom, he says, so whoever among you is present should spend it in fasting. But the focus of Ramadan for us should initially be that this is the month that Allah rewarded the seeking heart of that wonderful human being, Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and showed us how we were supposed to live. He says that in this month was sent down guidance to humanity and how to determine what is right and wrong. Before the revelation came to the Prophet, perhaps the people in Mecca thought that it was all right if you took your girl child and out of shame you buried her in the sand. Before this revelation, perhaps they thought it was really good business to double and redouble the price of something and to be cheating people. Maybe they even thought it was okay to mistreat women before the revelation. But after the Quran was revealed, Allah says, now we have established for you what is the criteria for right and what is wrong. So we thank Allah that he revealed the Quran to Prophet Muhammad, may Allah's peace and blessings be upon him, so we would have a clear understanding of what is right and what is wrong. Because today we have a society where the lines have gotten a little blurred. It's not even politically correct to tell a person that they told a lie. You have to say that you told an untruth. 
You have to say you're a prevaricator. You can't say you have stretched the reality of the circumstance and you have deviated. We're living in a time where they have actually legislated something that God killed a whole community about. Because we're afraid to say what is right and what is wrong. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saw a situation in the society that needed to be addressed not just for then, but for all times. So we are celebrating and anticipating the anniversary of the revelation of the Quran. In Surah 4 of the Quran, Surah Al-Nisa and Ayat 165, Allah says, He sent messengers who gave good news as well as warning that mankind after the coming of the messenger should have no plea against Allah. Again, in Surah 6 of the Quran, in the 48th ayah, Allah says, We send messengers only to give good news and warn so those who believe and mend their lives, upon them shall be no fear and no grief. Sixteen times in the Quran, Allah mentions good news. He says the Quran is good news. If you listen to the radio, if you watch the television, if you read the newspaper, you will be hard-pressed to find any good news nowadays. One statement after the another is a tragedy. We're being told one bad event after another. It is depressing and almost demoralizing to listen to the news. Some people just watch the pictures and turn the volume down. One devastating thing after another. One event after another. One negative thing after another. It made me wonder if one day a TV anchor man might say, we interrupt this broadcast to give you some good news. But I've never seen it happen, but I think a lot. The 1,429 years ago, in the cave he sent good news to Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, And believe me, it was good news to the Meccans. When the father realized he didn't have to go and bury his child, that he loved in his heart, but tradition caused him to, out of shame to go and bury it. That was good news for the father. When the women found out that they had equal rights with the men, that was good news for them. When children found out that it was okay, if they went to their parents and they didn't disrespect them and say fee on them when they got old, that they lowered the wing of humility to them who had bore them and cared for them, that was good news. So we thank Allah that he sent Mubashir. He sent the good news so that we could have a better life in the society and so that we could be living according to what Allah has said is right and wrong. When the Muezzin was announcing the call to the prayer for the Salat al-Jummah today, he reminded us when he says that Allah is the Akbar. Allah is the greatest. And we are actually able to say what Allah has said, that he is the most merciful of those who show mercy. Allah has given us that which will guide us, and we are approaching the month when we can show our appreciation. We need to have some good news. We need to have somebody that tells us after difficulty, there is ease. Regardless to what is happening in your life, you need to hear every now and then somebody say, Kut The believers and God must win. We need to have somebody that tells us, strive 
as in a race toward all that is good. And if you strive, surely Allah will give you what you're striving for. Somebody needs to tell the youth in the society, the youth in the country nowadays, you don't have to be motivated by the lyrics of a rap song. You can open the Holy Quran and get motivation for your life. Somebody needs to give them some good news. The Quran has been revealed as our source for good news. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed the Quran to our prophet as he sat in the cave. But if we visit his life, we will find he was not sitting in the cave for a selfish pur purpose. The prophet was not sitting there trying to figure out how to improve his own particular circumstances. He was sitting there contemplating how the society could ma be made better. He was in a cave not just for himself. He saw the condition of the people. He saw what was happening to them. He saw the problems that they were going through, and he went to God seeking solutions, not just for himself. So when Allah tells us in Surah Al-Imran and Surah 3 of the Quran in Ayat 104, he says, and from among you there should be those that invite to good and join the right and forbid the wrong. These are they that will attain the felicity. Well, he's telling us that somebody among you, maybe all you are not going to do it. Maybe we can't get the whole society, but at least a few of you should come on and invite to that that is good and join what is right and forbid what is wrong. And that will be the key to your success. Six ayats later, he says you are the best community evolved for mankind. So he's telling us there is a utility for you. There's a function for you. And all of it emanates out of the Holy Quran, Kareem. And I love what he says to us in Surah 75, aptly titled Surah Al-Qiyamah, the resurrection. No matter how the society has gone down, regardless to what kind of decay has set in, regardless to the blight in the communities, he tells us in Surah Al-Qiyamah, he says, does man think we cannot assemble his bones? Nay, we are able to put together in perfect order his very fingertips. Allahu Akbar. They use your fingertips to identify you. I'm thinking that when he says your fingertips, he's talking about your characteristics. How people have identified you. He's saying I can change the public perception of you from sitting inactively in the society to becoming proactive and doing what you know is right. I'm thinking he's saying about fingertips. I can change the way that you are looking at yourself, feeling perhaps that you don't have the power to make positive change in society, and I'll change that so you will see yourself as an agent for change in the society, positive and proactive. I'm thinking when he says I can recreate you right down to your fingertips. I can make you a new person. I can make you like those people that rode with the prophet. That say all we do is hear and we obey. We don't investigate. We don't discuss it. We don't have to have a meeting about it. If you said it, oh, we're going to do it. We got meetings set up all the time. Somebody say, you know, we should go out and feed the homeless. Well, the first thing we need to do is we need to have a meeting about this. We need to put together an investigatory body. We need to have somebody that does a feasibility study on it. All we need to do is when they ask the Rasulullah, they say, what should we give in charity? He said, that which is beyond your need. That is the basis for you being a charitable person. Find out what you have and what you don't have, and that's for the person. You don't need a discussion on that. So when Allah says, I can recreate you right down to your fingertips, 
I can make you all over again. Change your perception of yourself and the society's perception of you and have you back together. We can have a society that is not worried about interracial problems. We can have a society that's not worried about interreligious conflicts. We can have a society that represents the totality of this religion, the culmination of all of the teachings of Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam, was seen on the Hajj when he said all of them came together from all over the place, and we look like a rainbow. We can have that objective in this society. He can put us back together again, and we can represent that. Imagine Ramadan as a guest, a guest that comes around every year. And after 11 months of putting your dirty laundry in the closet, after 11 months of sweeping dirt underneath the carpet, after 11 months of letting dust collect in the corners, you got a guest coming and you got to clean up the house. Ramadan is coming and we should embrace it like a guest. But like a guest that we want to show our best self. And instead of just washing the clothes or cleaning up the dishes or sweeping up the dust, we need to be washing on our soul. And when our guests come, our guest is going to be moving in time. Every day is going to be another day in Ramadan. So when the guests come, you're not going to stay home. You're going to take a journey. And I want you to remember, and I'm reminding myself, take the best provisions for your journey. And the best thing that we can take on this journey called Ramadan is taqwa. You need to stack up and pack up a whole bunch of taqwa to take with you so you don't run out before the month. The next thing you need to have is you need to have some iman. Fill up with it. Put it in the trunk. Put it all in stack it. Make sure you don't run out. Make sure you have enough for the trip. We need to make sure that we are God conscious and understand that this is a commemoration of the revelation of the Quran. And we are going on a trip with our friend, Ramadan. And we want to make sure that we have enough supplies. We want to make sure that our naps don't get in the way. Or if you are a student, look at Ramadan like going back to school. And each year we get a chance to enroll in the class called Ramadan. It's a spiritual school. The only problem is that it has few graduates each year. But this year, inshallah, let us rededicate ourselves and say, I'm going to enroll and I'm going to take the class. And at the end, instead of graduating magna cum laude, I'm going to graduate subhanahu wa ta'ala. And inshallah, we will get the benefit of the month of Ramadan. Allah has surrounded us with so many beautiful reminders of his mercy and his grace. And as he says in Ayat 185, that he has given us these signs. Something occurred to me, and in a few months they're going to be commemorating or recognizing Christopher Columbus. Something in his history I wanted to share with you today. 
in order to get an appreciation for some events, you have to, as they say, you got to be there. So in your mind, if you will position yourself with Christopher, he lived in a time where people thought that the earth was flat. They were locked into a thinking that had them where they were unable to access the other resources in the world. They thought if you sail straight ahead, you would fall off the end of the earth. So they stayed where they were. South America was there. Brazil was there. The fruits and the spices of the Caribbean were there, but they could not access it because they stayed there. As a matter of fact, they called themselves members of the flat world society. Now, you may think that's history and we should just let bygones be bygones, but I'll tell you something. If you believe that the only thing you need to do is be uh, uh, concerned about your block that you live on, you're a member of the Flat World Society. If you think that the only people you need to be concerned with are those of your ethnicity, you're a member of the Flat World Society. If you have become ethnocentric in this religion, you are a member of the flat world society. If you don't care about the poor, regardless of where they are, the needy, regardless of where they are, the sick and the shut out, then you are a member of the flat world society. And you will never able, be able to be successful or access the blessings of Allah in the broadest scope of things until you accept the fact that Allah's earth is spacious and give up your membership in the flat world society. Ramadan is supposed to sensitize us. It's supposed to train us. It's supposed to help us learn uh, delayed gratification. We don't eat or drink all day. We delay satisfying our bodies until the end of the day. It's supposed to teach us delayed gratification, where we know that if we delay gratifying our senses, if we share with others, if we are receptive, even if we give them our time and delay having our ego fed, you don't have to feed me today. I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to delay gratifying my own ego so I can listen to you. I'm going to delay gratifying my bank account and share something with those less fortunate. That's one of the lessons of Ramadan is delayed gratification. It helps fathers be fathers to their children instead of being children in front of their children. Instead of a father that's spending all his money so that he looks nice and his child has no education, he doesn't have anything to help him to good into the future, the father doesn't delay his gratification. He just wants to look nice in the sun. He says, you get yours like I got mine. Delayed gratification shows us how to have better family values, how to have better social values and social concerns. So that Ramadan isn't just a spiritual Jenny Craig diet for us. If we do not give up our membership in the flat world society, if we do not understand that as he came out of the cave and Allah had gave him the guidance that would illuminate humanity, if we don't understand the expansiveness of the religion that we have been favored with, we will end up like some of the other creatures that we look at. And I would like to share with you in closing about the shark. Very interesting, if you take a baby shark just about two feet long and put it in an aquarium two feet by two feet, you can feed it every day, all day long, and it will never outgrow the aquarium. It connects its existence with keeping itself small so it doesn't outgrow the environment because it thinks if it outgrows the environment, it will die. So it keeps itself small. 
But if you take it out of the aquarium and put it in the ocean where it can't see any limitation, it grows to its full size. So I ask myself, am I wearing a kufi cap or am I wearing an aquarium? I wonder if some of my sisters are wearing a hijab or wearing an aquarium where they have limited themselves, shrunk themselves down in the society, in the communities, and they're not realizing the full potential that is within the Quran. Allah tells us about the galaxies, then he tells us about the atom. He stretches our imagination from one end of the creation to the other. He challenges us and tells us things that cause us to actually grow in our imagination. He told us that he was the Lord of all the worlds. He said that the Quran is guidance for all mankind. And he said Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa was a mercy to all mankind. All three of those are holistic and global. We cannot make this religion just in one location and one time. We got to get out of the aquarium and get into the ocean of humanity and do what God created us to do. And he created us to be a service to humanity. And this is the month we're going to get ourselves invigorated so that we can do that. If you look at the sun, if you look at the moon, if you look at the stars, and all of the plants and the flowers, it's amazing what Allah has done. But if you know anybody that's an optometrist, they will tell you that as you're looking at those things, you're looking at them upside down. The eye is created by Allah in such a way that the information that is going through the optic nerve to the brain is actually perceived upside down. Allah created all of this beautiful creation and we see it upside down. But he created something else. He gave us a human mind and the very nature of the mind is to make rational, logical sense of all the information that it gets. So it turns it around. Allah is showing us another sign. Even if you see the society upside down, he has planted something inside of your head that has 114 departments in it that you can pick from to make it right side up. If you see dysfunctional families and they look upside down, you can reverse it regardless of how the society is seeing it or you seeing yourself. You have the mind. You have the Quranic matrix in here that you can reverse it and turn it around again. He's showing us even in our own physical self. I have given you the way to reverse the situation in the society and even in yourselves. So, dear brothers, dear sisters, let us take up the challenge to be better human beings and let us enroll in the school of Ramadan and this time let us graduate. We need to show Allah that we are grateful. I love the hadith reported by Aisha Rajulahuan where she said that she observed the prophet praying so long that his feet got swollen. And she asked him, she said, Rasulullah, you have been forgiven your past sins and your future sins, yet you stand so long in prayer that your feet swell up. Why do you do that? I love his answer. I love it. And maybe you will love it too. He said, shouldn't I show him that I am grateful? Oh, subhanAllah. Shouldn't I show him that I'm grateful? He could have picked anybody to be Muslim, but he picked us. Shouldn't we show him that we're grateful? He could have blessed anybody to be here today, but he blessed us. Shouldn't we show him we're grateful? He could have caused Ramadan to be later in the year than closer. Shouldn't we show him that we are grateful? We pray for the souls of the faithfully departed that Allah will grant them a peaceful rest in Jannah. 
We pray for the sick, the dying, and the destitute. He will ease their suffering and ease their pains. We pray for those under bad circumstances fighting for their lives, their property, their security, that he will aid them in their good fight and protect them from the ills against them. We ask Allah to increase us in our love for Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam and to endear to our heart the Quran Kareem. We ask him to forgive us and bless us to forgive each other and ourselves. And we thank him and ask for his choicest blessings in the coming month of Ramadan. Amen.